Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM, let's create. How much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas The fireside's blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas Will be A very special Christmas For me That was Donnie Hathaway. I'm Sam Fragoso, and this is Talk Easy. Welcome to our annual holiday episode. I love doing these each and every year on the podcast. The premise is pretty simple. I invite a handful of folks who came on the show over the past 12 months to talk about something they're grateful for in 2019. I realize gratitude is something uh, usually discussed around Thanksgiving, but I don't know. For me personally, this is a time of year where it's really easy for me to get a little despondent and melancholic and disappointed about all that I didn't do and all that I wanted to do and just the general passing of time. I'm not someone who handles birthdays very well or New Year's very well. This is maybe too much information for you, but it is true And I have found that it is healthy and helpful to take stock of your life and the things that have happened and the people in it and be thankful for all that is good. So 
That's what you're about to hear. It's a mix of phone calls and voicemails um, with 12 people who came on this podcast in 2019 and that wanted to contribute a little bit to this holiday episode. All right, before we get into it, um, a little bit of housekeeping. I've put together this kind of holiday newsletter, uh, and if you would like to receive that newsletter, you can drop us a line at talkeasypod at gmail.com. You can also message us on Instagram and Twitter at talkeasypod and uh, send along your email. In this newsletter, I write about the podcast a little bit, uh, the year that 2019 was for the show and for me. I also include a list of my favorite movies of the year. And above all, I have assembled a ridiculously comprehensive, meticulously constructed playlist of the 50 songs that I kept playing over and over and over again, much to my friend chagrin in 2019. If you'd like to listen to that, you can find it on Spotify. The playlist title is Talk Easy, Listen Easy 2019 Edition. As you can tell by that title, I am horrible at titles. But if you want to hear that playlist, I have a feeling it may be the only one that includes Hoagie Carmichael, Kanye West, Warren Zevon, Steve Lacey, Solange, there are many more people, Minnie Ripperton, uh, Dionne Warwick, Paul Simon. It is admittedly a strange batch of songs, but in my head, they all kind of make sense together. So if you want to hear that, it's on Spotify. You can also send us an email and uh, we will include you in that newsletter. And I think that's it. I will talk about what I'm grateful for at the end of this episode. Until then, um, let's get into the calls. Our first caller is, uh, you know what, I'll let him introduce himself. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll see you at the end. Hey, this is Randall Park. Uh, I am grateful for Fresh Off the Boat. I'm actually recording this uh, in between setups. We are shooting our final scene of our final episode of our final season of the entire series. So it's bittersweet. Uh, I love this entire cast and crew, and I'm grateful for this cast and crew, and it was a great experience. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm grateful for. Next up is Mary Holland. She performs over at the UCB in a wonderfully funny comedic troupe called The Wild Horses. She's also in a new movie called Greener Grass. I really love Mary. She is someone I think in a couple years everyone is going to know and fall in love with. She is so, so funny. And uh, we had a really interesting talk earlier this year on the podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, it's one of my favorite episodes of 2019. So uh, let's give her a call. I always get nervous calling people, but you know what? Let's just go for it. Hello? Hello, Mary. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you, Sam? Oh, my God. I feel like it's been 10 years since we spoke last. (laughs) I know. It does feel like it's been forever. I was just thinking about the last time we talked. You know, you were witness to a little identity crisis. How fun was that? (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I 100% knew you were going to bring this up right at the beginning here. Uh, I mean, it's the elephant in the room. Everybody's thinking about it. Everybody who's listening is like, when is she going to address what happened? <laughs> so can I ask you, because we haven't spoken, I think we exchanged some Instagram messages, but we haven't really yes. spoken at all. I haven't seen you. Um, That's right. Two things. One, how did you feel about doing the show in the aftermath of all of that? I was surprised at uh, how deep it got. I knew it would be a stimulating conversation. I think I was a bit surprised myself at that sort of, you know, I feel like I just really ripped my heart right out of my chest and just put it right on my sleeve and like, showed it to you and was like, what do you think? (laughs) Um, I was a bit sure I wrestled with a little bit of shame or embarrassment, I will say, of like, oh, God, I can't believe that just poured out of me. But then I was like, but hey, maybe this is good to listen to for people or, you know, and um, anybody can shut it off if they don't want to. But I do, I've had moments where I've wrestled with, should I be more private about things and I think yes I should but then also sharing that sort of vulnerability about a creative process I think is helpful it's helpful to me and it's hopefully helpful to someone else who might be struggling with something similar so in conclusion I think it's great (laughs) (laughs) you didn't think that I judged you though right no No, I did not feel judged. No, no, not at all. (laughs) You are incredibly comforting. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a strange thing, right? Because we are, or at least were at that time, complete strangers. I mean, we're still basically strangers. Yes. And I know it's like saying all that to someone you do not know, it's very scary and vulnerable. It is scary. Well, but you created such a safe space. You know, I'm sure everybody who comes on your show feels this way, that it's very comfortable talking with you, and it it feels totally safe, and you feel interested in what I'm saying, what we're saying. And so that leads me to be more vulnerable, and I think that that is a good thing. So it was a positive experience for me. Well, look, if this is your way of sort of inadvertently asking whether... I would cry in front of you coming on wild horses. I told I would totally do it. I will do it in front of the UCB crowd. Okay. Just just Great. as retribution, just just to be fair. Amazing. I'm just going to draw up a quick little contract. I'll email it over to you. <laughs> if I could just get you to sign it, I would just love to have that in writing because just, you know, just so we could really lock it in. We can lock it in. That's a 2020 is a 2020 <laughs> promise. That's yes. Yeah. So tell me, the last six, seven months, um, the prompt of this whole thing is like what we are grateful for. So what's something that's been good in your life and how are you feeling about the sort of larger identity questions you were talking about back then? Well, fun fact, I'm still in the midst of figuring all that out. I do feel a bit stronger, a bit clearer on 
things as far as my um, my creative point of view, which is really what I was. I, I feel like when I came on your show, I was smack dab in the middle of like this question suddenly popping into my head and and wrestling with it. And now I've sort of made peace with that question. I feel like I've understood that. Yeah, that question will always sort of be there, and I can play with it instead of being paralyzed by it. In the last six, seven months, I mean, this whole past year, I feel incredibly lucky and and grateful for many things on a personal and a professional level. But one thing I was thinking about is that so much of this, industry, film, television, and uh, improv and comedy, it, the personal and professional intermingle so much. So they, they really are tied together for me in this one thing that I'm, this sort of blanket statement that I can point to as being something I'm so grateful for this year in general, which is the opportunity to collaborate with friends. I feel like I've encountered that just this whole year long. Every professional opportunity has been afforded me by friends, by people who know me on, you know, either super well or uh, have met me once or twice or saw me in a show or something or, but saw in me a potential and believed in that to bring me on board the project they were working on and let me be a part of that process with them. I feel like I'm just surrounded by people who are constantly inspiring me in in all these different ways. And I think that that has eased the stress and the pressure of that question I was struggling with <laughs> the last time I came on, which was like, what am, who am I? What is my identity? What's my voice? I don't know. Right. And I think this whole year has been about being a part of other people's voices and visions and and also having a voice within that and understanding that it is such a collaborative process. You don't have to have all the answers. And in fact, it's, it's maybe better that you don't have all the answers. Do you think there is something out there right now, just for people listening, that they could look at and you feel, oh, that represents my voice in some way? Oh, like that thing represents a part of me in a way that I really love? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that people can't look at it right now, (laughs) but it's something that will be... Yes, it exists, but... It's just not in this moment, so I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it exists, but you can't see it, so sorry. Um, no, I I think that my writing collaboration with Clea Duvall, we, we worked on this Christmas movie together that is going, we're shooting it actually in January, and then it's going to be coming out next November, and... I really feel the whole process of writing that movie with her. And then, you know, we wrote a part for me in it. Clea is directing it. And that the role that we wrote for me to play, I feel so excited for it 
because we, we drew from a lot of specifics that are true to me. And so I really think that that movie and that, that particular character is going to be super representative of my voice in that capacity. I'm very proud of it and I'm, I'm pumped for it. It's, it's so exciting that it's, it's happening. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I would say like of things that are out there right now, uh, I just think that I've, I've gotten to do a lot of fun parts on all these different kinds of shows. Like I was on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm this year and on this, the show that's going to, I'm sure you've heard about Quibi, the platform Quibi. I have. I think that's an all-time terrible name for a platform, right? I mean, it's so bad. How could you land on that name? I don't know, but I will say it's kind of adorable. It's sort of like, oh, my, it's my Quibi. I have to go feed my Quibi. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind of cute look here here's what i think if they <laughs> if they properly compensated you for your work then i'm all behind them but you're not going to be able to well, convince me on do. that name okay good <laughs> <laughs> they do but there's this wonderful show that paula pell and john lutz created called the mapleworth murders that's going to be on that platform and they they cast me in this really fun part and i feel like i truly am someone who enjoys acting so much that I feel like everything that I do that I get to be a part of is me. I like, it's my, it is representative of my voice, right? but it's, it's sort of, it's like, it's just multi, I, what I'm, I guess what I'm discovering is that when you, when you talk about my voice, that's multifaceted. It doesn't mean it doesn't have to mean one thing or something that you make solo or something that is purely originated in your brain. It's right. something you bring to something that originated in someone else's brain. There's a lot to be grateful for, I guess, and, and a lot to be um, to point to as far as projects I've been involved with this year that feel so close to me and so part of who I am I guess it's all intertwined it totally is I mean I was re-listening to parts of the episode um uh-huh. earlier this week and the thing there is a sense in listening that you are particularly hard on yourself I think mm-hmm. that's that's, yeah. what, that's what I gathered I mean and I I maybe identify that because I am particularly hard on myself all the time. So I'm acutely sensitive to it um, when I see it in someone else. Right. I am interested, you know, where do you stand on that? Do you feel that it's getting better or easier or nothing has changed? I do feel like it's gotten better. I don't think that I'll ever stop being self-critical but I think what it has gotten better is I'm sort of I, I guess it's you I just made peace with that part of it and so instead of it becoming this thing that has that spirals me out for a few days mm-hmm. it's a feeling it's a it's a blue feeling that 
comes and I greet it and then it and then it leaves. I think before like the impulse was to even though it's counterintuitive, the impulse was to sustain it somehow, to like feed this this <laughs> instinct in myself that <laughs> I'm bad, I'm everything I do is bad. I should I gotta and to nourish that feeling and make it make it grow in spite of it feeling so awful. But now I think it I do sense a shift where it's more like, oh yeah, here's that feeling. I don't need to feed it. It, it'll just go away and then it it has passed more quickly so i don't know if that's a permanent state but i definitely can sense a, something getting better there i look that's this is a time capsule that's that's honestly you know the point of doing this show i don't know if i even have said this before but like one of the, my favorite parts of doing the show and even like in the movies i'm making it in some ways it's just a little snippet of time. Right. It is not representative of who we are forever or permanently. But right. I don't know. It, it's really bizarre to me that it can, it's, it can exist as a snapshot of that moment yes. in this time. Yeah. And I love that idea. I like that, too. I need to go back and, and re-listen to that episode because part of me is like, no, nah, just leave it. I think I'll just leave it. I think I know what I said. You can bury it. You can bury it. Or, or you can keep it. I mean... It's in a really different place. It sounds like you are. I mean, uh, in thinking of, like, a time capsule, next week is Christmas. I don't know if you celebrate, but what do you do for the holidays? What I will be doing this year is... Uh, going to my parents' house. Uh, they live in Nashville. And so my fiancé and I will go there and um, spend a few days at home and be there with my sister and my brother. And we didn't do this last year because we had just gotten a puppy. Mm-hmm. We got her on December 23rd. So there was no travel in sight for us <laughs> for those first few months. But... Um, Traditionally, I would say I try to spend it with my parents and my siblings if possible. How is going back home to family? Is it fun? Is it, I have to do it myself. And I often have a mixed relationship (laughs) with going back. Right. It is really fun. I think with my parents in particular, I've noticed this shift with them as I've grown up where I really enjoy hanging out with them socially just you know me and them and my sister and my brother and kind of being adults together right (laughs) um I will say something you know the where they live I'm not attached to I like I don't have old friends so it does sort of after I would say a week it's like I start to become aware of like oh I have things I have to go do at 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 home or you know getting back to life I do feel that itch after about a week but while I'm there it's it's fun it's really good and I am just very aware of how different our lives are too yeah that's very apparent (laughs) it's just so fascinating and and even like my more extended family like my cousins and my aunts and my uncles like how different our lives are. It's just, 
is fascinating to me, just the different, how everything can look so completely different and you just, but we all sort of have similar roots. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. I, I go there and then I'm like, oh yeah, no. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm a crazy person. Like the, what we're doing in Los Angeles is like, we've subjected ourselves to insanity. I know, but I, but I sort of, it does feel like that. But it also feels like there's something just, I feel so happy that I'm living this insanity. Like, I, I sort of feel thrilled that there is so much still unknown and it sounds weird to say it, but unstable about <laughs> my <laughs> life and my lifestyle, that it is, uh, I'm constantly having to engage with it and be present with it. So I, I can't just like go through the motions cause there are no motions. It's no. just, it's ever changing. And that is scary and frustrating at times, but also it's kind of delicious in its own way of, um, I mean, what a way to live life. It's an insane way to live, but also now that we're doing it, there's really no alternative. We're just, we're, we, right. we kind of have to now. I, I think right. I, mean, I have to definitely. And I can't imagine any other way of living. No, frankly, like I, I, I sort of, I'm so in this now and so joyful within it that I really cannot fathom my life looking any other way than how it looks. And also being so, excited by the fact that it could look completely different in two months or a year or five years. I just, there's no way to plan for anything. And that can, for some people, that's like a deal breaker. That's like, I don't want to live like that. Right. I'm really excited to live like that. Yeah. Well, I am genuinely uh, excited for you and Ah. Thanks, Sam. Uh, I'm glad we uh, we met this year. Truly, it was um, it was great having Thank you on. You. And I have a feeling we'll see each other in 2020 and figure more stuff. out. I sure hope so. Yes, I hope so. I, I love talking to you, and I really get a lot out of our conversation. So I hope I hope we get to have more of them. Great. Next time, I will have to bill you. Oh, I'll offer a discounted rate. You know, just as a friendly. Okay. Rate. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, cool. That's great. Cool. I'm. That's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> um, please send over the contract. I'm happy to sign it and cry. I sure will. Yeah, I'll, I'll get, it's not a problem. I'll get that to you immediately. Okay. okay. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a great holiday and a happy new year. Happy new year. So long, Mary. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello. Hey, this is Harrison from the episode where I interviewed Sam, uh, who's the host, if you don't know. Uh, Good things this year. I loved the uh, sketch show I Think You Should Leave on Netflix. Very, very funny. The gift receipt sketch is my favorite sketch of the last uh, God knows how long. Um, Ooh, uh, what else? Uh, ba, 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 um, the Teacher's Lounge is a podcast, uh, and I'm a mailman, and uh, it's so funny that I, I truly did almost uh, shit myself while delivering mail. 
listening to that podcast. Um, uh, what else is this year? One of the things that came out this year. Uh, Lil Nas came out on Twitter. That was good. Lil Nas X. Um, there was a, um, I saw a card. I saw a greeting card at a store that was a man in bed with like his golf clubs, like all in the thing that like golf clubs go in. And there's a woman in a, in a doorway. The man's naked. And there's a woman in the doorway and she's like, why am I not surprised? <laughs> and it uh, tickled me to no end. Uh, it was very funny. Implying that the man had, of course, slept with the golf clubs. I hope I painted that picture correctly. It's a greeting card. The inside was empty. No other information needed. Those are my favorite things uh, of this year. And have a good holiday season, please. This next voice memo is from the one and only Gary Goleman. If you have not seen his new special, it's called The Great Depression. It's on HBO. It is, I think, my favorite special of the year. And his episode of the podcast is unquestionably one of my favorite conversations of the past 12 months. It is as honest of a dialogue about depression and mental stability that I think we've had on this show. And uh, I'm very grateful to have met him this year. I think he is truly a positive force in the world. So here's Gary talking about uh, another person who's come on this podcast. I really love this note. Let's get into it. Here's Gary Goldman. During 2019, I became close friends with my idol, Chris Elliott, who I've been obsessed with since I was 20 years old. And in 2019, I became friends and stayed over his house and stayed up late laughing and telling stories. Meet your heroes, I say. 2019, what a year. So grateful for that. All right, it's uh, time to call up the one and only Jeff Garland. Let's do it. Jeff Garland, how have you been? Sam, I've been better. You've been better than when we last spoke, or you've been better as in you've had better days than today? No, today's a delightful day. I'm sitting in my backyard looking at the uh, the mountains, and uh, no, everything's good. You know, it's like a, a big bowl of uh, things going on, you know. <laughs> you oh, know that, what I mean, that, man? <laughs> it's just life. Um, okay, give me some updates. How are you feeling? Physically, fantastic. Mentally, fantastic. I just have a lot on my shoulders. Yeah. I'm holding up the world. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's all it's it's all other people that I'm taking care of. Who are you taking care of, especially around the holidays? Family, friends, so many people that you know the thing is I'm always the kind of person that if other people are struggling, I'm there to help. 
And right now, a lot of people are struggling, <laughs> and it's a lot of responsibility, but I'm doing it. But today is actually, no exaggeration, is my favorite day of the year so far. I think it's the most beautiful day of 2019. Really? What, what has happened? Well, I just love how clear it is, and I love how crisp it is. Clear and crisp is delightful and sunny. It's beautiful today. I love the way that feels this time of year. It's incredible. I have a question. Yeah. Where do you think that desire to like help people who are hurting, where does that come from for you? Um, without sounding too cornball, God. And for me, God is the universe. God is not specific. God is not affiliated with any particular religion. God is the universe. I equate the two being a higher power than me. I was put on earth to help other people. That's, um, that's why I was put here. You know, I'm a comedian because I help ease other people's pain. That's what I do, you know? And so uh, I'm good with it. I got no complaints. The prompt, I think I texted this to you, you know, the idea of something that we're grateful for, because, you know, at the end of the year, it's hard to stay positive. Are you ready? Yeah, Are you I'm ready. ready. I, I, know, I'm ready. I know the answer to Okay, that. go ahead, Jeff. I'm grateful to be of service, be of service to my family and friends, to strangers through my comedy. I am grateful that I am able to through my physical and financial success and my physical strength to be able to help other people. I'm grateful to be of service. I have a feeling other people are grateful for you. Well, that would be lovely to know. You know, um, this is certainly a time of year where we tell people how grateful we are. I don't do things to get to have people be grateful or to receive accolades. I do it because that's what I do. I thought about it because there are many times where I do things and I don't get anyone being grateful. And I realized that I would do it anyhow. I have a question because we didn't actually talk when this all happened, but how did you feel about the release of your new special? I, it was mixed feelings in terms of how proud I am of the special and how the special represents what I do comedically, uh, completely thrilled, uh, nothing but disappointment in the, uh, release via Netflix because they just release shit and there's no big marketing, you know, it's just another thing that's there. And I'm glad it lives on Netflix and I can talk about it and people can catch it anytime they want because I think it'll live and there's nothing in it that'll even become dated, uh -huh. uh, you know, at least in the near future. When I say near future, let's say the next half dozen years, I think it'll hold up quite nicely. But I had great expectations of more of a marketing push and more marketing on behalf of Netflix, but that was naive of me. And considering that I've worked with Netflix for so many years and have such a long relationship with them, I should have known better. I could have known better. Forget should, I don't like should, I like could. 
You like could. I mean, you made your film with them. Yes. What was the conversation like when you were saying, "Hey, because I saw the special, I thought it was funny. You know, I thought I thought it was it was good." And oh, thanks, man. It should be you know properly promoted. But what what is that conversation like? Pre, during, post, even in terms of dealing with them, with the marketing. Yeah, it's all of just that. me saying, why should I do another special with you? Me saying, why do you say one thing to one artist and another thing to another artist? It, um, it's very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. Uh, to give them kudos, uh, creatively, they let me do what I want. Right. But outside of that, I didn't make a million dollars on it. I didn't, I, and it wasn't marketed to where, okay, it was worth the sacrifices I made. It was worth it creatively, and I'm happy it exists. I really feel, and I feel this really with stand-up specials in general, and I felt this before, and now I feel it even more. It's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it. So there's all these specials. What's special about them? Mm-hmm. You know, outside of the good work, what separates them? I now know how a band feels when they release an album and the uh, label does nothing. Right. That it is available in their local record store or wherever, uh, and it is streaming. But what does a label do? And this is how I feel about doing my special. And by the way, I love Netflix. I anticipate making some more movies for them, but because I think that those live a more realistic life, Uh you know, who's going to see them to begin with? You know what I mean? It's not like millions of people, unless it's a, you know, major mainstream movie are going to see it. And so many more see it, A, a movie, an indie movie I'm talking about via Netflix but a stand-up special, I mean, it's just why put that work in? I don't get it. Right. And by the way, I'm a guy who really, I never a negative thought or um, uh, fret anything to do with my career. You know, this is one of the first times because it's such a personal thing that I put so much work in and then boom, you know, but I've gotten great feedback. So. There you go. It's totally mixed. You know, when we when we sat, you talked about being a kind of mentor to people coming up in comedy and having a good sense, you know, starting with your days with, with John Stewart and helping him and talking about Eddie Murphy coming back, you know, talking about something we're grateful for, something positive. Is there someone right now doing stand-up that you think, oh shit, they have something I haven't seen before? That's interesting. That I haven't seen before? No. Because as much as I love as much as I love John Mullaney, that has occurred to degrees in Jerry Seinfeld and Robert Klein. So there are people with a great voice and great artistry, you know, such as Dave Chappelle, but I've seen that before, you know, with Pryor. And to be compared to Pryor is pretty amazing for Chappelle. Nobody compares to Pryor, though, and it's almost unfair to compare anyone. But there are great comedians who bring me great joy. Um, But is there anybody doing things that I haven't seen? No. Mm. But I'm grateful that people are going to 
comedy clubs and seeing uh, comedic performers, uh, you know, in theaters and such. It's at a, I mean, it hasn't, it actually, in my opinion, it's never been, comedy's never been as big as it is now. I meet people who just say to me now, oh, I love comedy. No one said that before. Mm -hmm. When I say, when I mean it, you know, and these are people who I, when I was younger, what it meant to love comedy means, I mean, if you take SCTV or Monty Python or whatever, to me, the people who truly love comedy create adventure time. Like, you know what I mean? It's like there's an edge to Bob Odenkirk, (laughs) for example. You know, there's, we're a group of people that look at life different than anyone. But in terms of mainstream, people with mainstream tastes, saying things like I love comedy or I can't get to the comedy store enough is fascinating to me. Mm. And I'm grateful for it. I have a fear. I mean, this is a good thing for you and maybe a a bad thing for the country that next year people are going to want to laugh more than ever. I I don't know how you're feeling about 2020, but I am a little bit dreading. I feel great about 2020. Uh, you're dreading it. I can't wait for 2020. Oh, only politically. I think 2020 is going to be a spectacular year. Only politically. Well, no, but here's the thing. There's always shit going down politically. Always. Yes, I know it's extreme now with Trump, but in all, in all sincerity, there are plenty of great people. Not me, I want to be clear, but there are plenty of great, wonderful, thoughtful people who voted for Trump, who like what he pretends to stand for. (laughs) Um, But so I don't look at our country as a mess. I don't think that Donald Trump is filled with, you know, that it's all racist people that dig him. See, I'm one of, someone asked me yesterday if I would ever date anybody who liked Trump, was pro-Trump. And I said, absolutely. Because I allow others to have a different point of view. Where did they grow up? What do the, what do their parents think? You know, everyone's different, and I understand why people voted for Trump, and I even understand why people are still into him, even though I am not, and even though he makes me nuts. I still <laughs> believe in our country, and I still believe in the people that live in our country. Well, that's a whole other. It's it's tough to talk about because yeah. it's so divisive. You opened up a can of worms. There. I know. I know. You Look, opened up a can of worms. Jeff, there. you can blame me. You can blame me. The only thing I want to say is I have no problems with the people who voted for him in 2016, but I think he has demonstrated a constant inability to be fit for office. So just on a Oh, by the way, I do think less people, less people are going to vote for him. But who knows what the Electoral College, what will happen? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But no matter what, I'm going to be happy and do my part, which is easing people's pain and making them laugh. But I don't feel like any year we need it more than any other year. I mean, the, maybe the last time we really needed it was, uh, two, it was 9-11. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where there was a an absolute destruction of our souls, you know, and we needed to be healed. But, you know, outside of something that extreme, which I don't think Trump is, by the way, I do think everything he does is pretty much wrong. But that being said, I don't equate it with the downs that we've seen. 
I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth. We can go on to that. I think he he's just um... all right. Here's what I want. Here's what I want to say to you, Sam. Okay. Ease your mind and relax. Okay. <laughs> don't ignore shit, but but take it easy, man. Talk easy. <laughs> uh, two things before we go. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. You're you, you're, and have been very kind to me, and I I appreciate that. Sure. You talked about you being able to date someone who is a Republican, which of course. We talk so much on the podcast. I didn't even say Republican because there I know, I know Republicans that are anti-Trump. Right. So it's not even Republican. I would I would date someone who liked Trump. Okay. So how is falling in love going? Because that's something we talked about so much when we said. Oh, how is falling ago. in love going? It is. It is precarious. It is nauseating. It is beating the shit out of me. That's part of why I'm down. Hmm. But I'm I'm dating plenty, and there's lots of of wonderful women, uh, strong, amazing, interesting women that I'm allowed to be near, which I dig. But uh, love in itself is just wow. It's a pain hey, in the you ass. Know what? If you want to interview me again, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. If you want to interview me again, let's say next summer, and we do a love update, I'd be way into that. Okay, well, well we can totally do that. Um... I'm rooting uh, yeah. for you. You know, you know, I'm rooting for that. Well, thanks, man. You know, I've got a, you know, my heart's been broken quite a few times and I've got some uh, possibilities. So we'll see who the, <laughs> who the fuck knows, but that's the whole thing. Who the fuck knows? And I'm not anticipating it being horrible. I'm just saying currently very frustrating. Well, so. it, it can change. How do you spend uh, Christmas? Uh, I spend Christmas, uh, watching, uh, you know what I, how I really, well, first off, Christmas Eve, I'll be at the comedy store and then, uh, Christmas night, I'll probably be at home watching old universal monster movies. I treat it kind of like Halloween. (laughs) Do you spend, uh, it with family at all? Yeah. Some with family. Yeah. But I'm Jewish. So it's not like, it's not a big deal. I just love this time of year. Uh, Yeah. I just love this stuff, but neither is Hanukkah. Neither is Hanukkah a big deal. Mm. Um, nothing's a big deal. It's all wonderful and joyous. Here's something, because I know we have to go. I, I'm thinking about 2020, not politics. Let's just talk about things that matter to you. What do you want for yourself in the new year? In the new year, I, really, in all sincerity, I want, uh, I want love. That's what I want, love. I want to find a great love. So there you go. That's as honest as you can get. Yeah. That's what I think I need. I have, uh, you know, good health for, for everybody, you know, but um, holy crap, if I could uh, have a great love and enjoy myself with that, that would be quite joyous. Well, That's it. That's what I wish for you. <laughs> you know, someone smarter than me recently told me that, you have to take it easy and to put your mind at ease. So I'm going to say the well, same to you. You're a good man. You're a good man, Sam. All right, we will talk soon. Enjoy your good looks. <laughs> Enjoy your monster movies. I'll talk to you soon, Jeff. Pal, bye. So long. Good morning, Sam. This is Chaz Ebert. 
thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about someone I'm grateful for in 2019. Um, there's a lady in Chicago named Candace Payne. During the polar vortex this year, when Chicago temperatures plunged to below minus 20 degrees below zero, she, on an impulse, rented hotel rooms for 20 homeless people because she knew that they would die if they stayed on the street. And indeed, over 20 people across the Northeast and Midwest did die during the polar vortex, but not these people because of the goodness of Candace Payne. She knew she couldn't do it all alone, so she posted on social media and people jumped in and helped. By the end of that week, by the time the polar vortex was over, they had saved about 80 homeless people. This is something I just want to sing her praises because every time I think about her doing this from the goodness of her heart and saying if something needs to be done, she was the one to do it and she didn't wait for other people, uh, it just fills my heart with joy. So Candace Payne, I salute you and Merry Christmas. Next up is Pam Greer. She came on the show back in May. She is the only person, I believe, who came on the podcast in 2019 and did it over the phone. We stopped doing those uh, a couple years back, but, you know, it's Pam Greer. Are we going to not have Pam Greer on the show? So, I don't even know if she remembers coming on. We've had no contact. Pam and I haven't been corresponding, although I'd be completely open to it. Anyway, why don't we try giving Pam a call? Is this Sam? Hello. How you doing? Pam, how are you doing? I'm well. It was kind of a cold day here in Colorado. <laughs> I have no doubt. Do you remember our talk five months ago? Probably not. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, you testing me? I can't remember last week. There's too much going on. <laughs> I was trying to see if you did remember. Not that you have to remember me. It's okay if you don't. No, I remember you, but uh, the conversation, no. I, I had to put that, you know, filed in the memory banks of my mind and keep keep moving on. There's so much going on with my family and, and work and everything. So, and horses and dogs and uh, anyway. So many horses and dogs. Um, so tell me, how have the past uh, few months been for you? Um, extraordinarily wonderful. What's happened? Well, my health is good. If I wake up breathing, I'm going to have a good day. Um, our show, Bless His Mess, was uh, given a another order of a first six and then another one, seven episodes starting in January. But regarding um, your request for something that, that I, I okay, hmm. we have so many natural disasters and natural, you know, crises in 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 our country, in the world today. And I, I volunteer. I have empathy. I know friends that, you know, when there's hurricanes and we have 
issues. Friends donate their trailers to residents of the fires. Um, I was in California filming Bless This Mess when we were evacuated. We had to leave the set because of fires that were approaching dangerously close to the set. And I had already months prior envisioned I know people and friends that live in tornado-prone areas, uh, five to six states, and Mm. what they go through every year. And it's heartbreaking. And it's going to happen. It's a way of life. I am an equestrian, and I ride with helmets. And uh, my friends are climbers. They climb with helmets. Skateboarders skate with helmets. Snowboarders board with helmets, kayaking, whitewater rafting, football players, the NFL, the NHL. And helmets provide a protection to the head, the brain, um, when there's concussion, there's injury, um, and it's protective, granted to a point. So for some reason, it just came to me that families that live in those areas should have a type of an emergency bag or gear in their homes. Mm -hmm. And I thought of possibly the helmet. And I just said, absolutely, that's something that is necessary in today's world and today's environment. So I um, picked the brains of some of the people that I know, the head of marketing uh, who is my corporate sponsor at Subaru, Abana Jacobs. And I asked her, I said, I know that you support the national parks and, and you've got to know some climbers and people who are connected with, you know, climbing organizations. And so she did introduce me to Ken Yeager of the Yellowstone Climbing Association. And I pitched him my idea and uh, what would it take for him to introduce me to corporations and sports entities that would be receptive to my idea of either donating or participating. And I would sponsor the first donation of helmets to families uh, in Kansas and a couple of other cities and the Red Cross and churches and emergencies organizations and schools. And um, all of a sudden, it is now um, snowballing into a very serious movement. And I'm talking to companies and corporations and people, and I will be in, I think, our first break before we finish our sixth, seventh episode. I will be in either Kansas, Oklahoma, we're going over a meeting. I'm going to be calling a meeting with people regarding, you know, who will be available so we can do a morning show to talk about the emergency bag protective gear for families who are in these areas. And that, that you know, granted, they some seek shelter in their homes, but they can also seek shelter with the possibility of wearing helmets for adults and children. And as they wait out, and if the if the tornado bypasses them, great. You know, we we have fire extinguishers in case of fire. And I said, I think you know today's family, today's society, and communities should have some type of preparedness. So 
I have started this movement, and I will be buying the first uh, collection of helmets, and I will be asking and uh, see if people want to donate helmets that aren't being used. So that's the most important thing for me. I feel very good about in that the people that are I'm now calling and meeting with is extraordinary, and um, that's what happened in the last five months. And that is definitely something to be grateful for. Well, you know, something you were talking about is what we're prepared and not prepared for. And uh, it dawned on me since we spoke back in May, something I imagine both of us were not prepared for was uh, the passing of Robert Forrester. And I had the chance to meet him and, and we did this show together right when it started. And I knew him a little bit after that. Aww. And I just wanted to, I wanted to ask you how, you know, not only how you feel about what's happened, and but also if you have some kind of lingering memory you come back to with him. Well, his graciousness and love of his family. And he would always say, Pam, if you're coming into town... You know, I want to show you around, you know, and we'll meet up with the family and the kids. Uh, you know, hopefully we can all get together, but you don't come here without calling me. <laughs> and uh, that was always his famous words. And and I called before when I knew the series was going to go, and uh, I called him and let him know I was coming. I said, I'm going to be there in August, uh, July and August, and I think I called him around April and March. And it was unusual that I didn't get the the all always return phone call. When are you coming? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, and uh, I didn't get that. So I thought, well, he's you know he's so busy. He's you know he's uh, movies, television. You know, he's he'll get back to me. Or and what I do by accident sometimes. I, matter of fact, I was uh, dialing Sherry um, at uh, the Fox office. And a call came in, and I had just written out a text. And for some reason, I don't know tech, technologically or what happened, but it just deleted my half of my text, and I had to start over. So I said, well, you know, we have glitches. Things erase, delete, and I'll look up. I got that. I didn't see it. I didn't know I had that, you know, communication, that missive. Ah. So um, I thought, okay. He didn't call back. This is unusual. He's working. He's busy. Or he inadvertently, you know, you know, hit the wrong button and deleted uh, my call. So mm-hmm. I didn't hear from him. And uh, while I was out, you know, in California, all of a sudden, you know, he he passed. And maybe that was um, a part of it. You know, he seemed like someone from like a different era to me. Like, they don't make that kind of person anymore. Mm, he was unique. He was definitely a wonderful, uniquely warm and profound, caring person. Uh, that's for sure. I have a question. You know, we all think about, as we enter the new year, what we did in the past 12 months, what we want in the next 12 months. Are you someone who who makes resolutions, do you think about that stuff? Um, no. No. <laughs> because I 
I could be fulfilling a, a promise, a gift, a resolution, a plan, a, you know, my to-do list right now from last year. <laughs> so I don't, I don't make them, no. Because things happen and your life changes and things change and, you know, they disconnect. And, but there's one thing that I, I can say is I don't take acquaintances and friendships and, and situations for granted. And when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Mm. Is there something you want to do next year? Not a resolution, but something you want for yourself? Well, it's not a resolution, but promises. And when I say something, you know, um, Diane Keaton, when we worked, I said, I'll call you when I come to she's please. And I called her and said, hi, I'm going to be here working. And I know you might hear that I'm here and I didn't call her, say hi. You know, I'm very grateful for her putting together uh, the film that she did, Palms, and with a, a group of incredible women filmmakers. And I'll always be grateful. And when I say, I'm going to call, hey, girl, how you doing? We can get together. I said, no, we don't have to. You're busy. But I just want to let you know that I called to say hi. And thank you so much. <laughs> How do you spend uh, the holidays usually? Oh, I play it by ear. I don't spend it. I just do it. It depends on how I feel. Anything that anyone needs, like I purchased a family, some tires, because they do caregiving for my horses when I'm gone and extra caring and grooming. And stuff. And I, I bought them tires. I noticed they didn't have um, front tires that were good, and I said, just buy a new set. And I bought another family so set of tires. So, and then I'll probably buy someone that I know, a water heater. But, you know, it's not a Christmas gift. It's just something that if I see, you know, people need something. Pilots and Paws received a lot of donations from Amazon Smile because of, you know, I reach out, and, and it's a wonderful organization that flies animals, you know, to uh, forever forever homes and and um, uh, foster care so you know no I don't really plan I might stay in my pajamas for two days and watch movies and eat popcorn <laughs> with the dogs I'm not kidding some days I just go okay I'm exhausted I've done enough thank you everybody leave a message I love that well um, I appreciate you uh, calling in and doing this with me well, thank you for your interest. I hope it uh, appeals to many of your your listeners and people who, you know, um, give us so much of their lives and share so much now that we're more informed and we have a real opportunity to you know, have a sense of family and camaraderie and community and um, not necessarily a kumbaya, but... <laughs> the fact that we're culturally so unique and and different that we just have so many great flavors, you know. And yes, I will wear an ugly Christmas sweater uh, tomorrow when I take my mom, you know, some things. You know, she wanted um, a few little, you know, trinkets to give to people because she really can't do a lot of shopping herself anymore. But I'll have my ugly sweater, my ugly Christmas sweater. Well, I'm sure it's not that ugly. I'm sure you're doing a good job wearing it. Well, I know it lights up. <laughs> of course it does. It lights up. That makes sense. Well, enjoy the movies. Enjoy the popcorn. Enjoy all the animals. Thank you. Pam Greer, thank you again for coming on mm -hmm. and for doing it. And uh, I'll talk to you in 2020. All right. You shall. All right. Thank you so much. So long. Bye now.
Hello, this is Tyree Chapeau coming to you live from my bed because that's where I'm recording this voice memo. Um, 2019 has been a wild year, one in which I'm incredibly grateful for many, many things. But um, this past weekend, I, my husband and I had a wedding and all sorts of friends and family members from various parts of our lives came together in this slightly run-down mansion in Center City, Philadelphia that we rented out. And they all came together just to celebrate each other, to celebrate love, to celebrate joy, to celebrate togetherness, to celebrate our community. And so I find that as 2019 comes to a close, that's what I'm most grateful for this year. These people who just... <laughs> who constantly show up for each other. These people who I call my friends and my family, my loved ones, my collaborators, who put up with, who put up with things that don't make sense because they know that at the end of this path, things will make sense. And I'm just so grateful for that trust that we are able to give each other. So as 2019 comes to a close, yes, I am most grateful for my community inside, outside of film, whatever, just like these people who are so willing to share their lives and ideas with each other and who are so willing to build each other up and who are so willing to just be present for one another. 2020 is going to just be more of that, more and more community. And I hope that others can feel that too. Happy New Year. Next up is Justin Simeon. He's the creator of Dear White People, which I believe is entering its fourth and final season on Netflix in 2020. If you have not seen the first three seasons, uh, I would urge you to seek them out. He also has a new film that he directed playing Sundance in January. It's called Bad Hair. Um, I have not seen it, but I've heard it's fantastic. Hey, Sam. Hey, Justin. I don't know if they sent it along, but I like doing these end-of-the-year podcasts because having people talk about something they're grateful for or happy about at the end always feels like a good idea to me to try to end the year on a vaguely positive note. Did you think about what you wanted to talk about? I, I'm grateful for just more insight into who I am. I mean, I think, I, I, this feels like a, a, a refrain that I'm hearing from a lot of people, but 2019 was a very tough year for me uh, personally, but at the same time, some of the struggles that I was going through really opened me up to all kinds of new possibilities. Um, my father died when I was six years old, and uh, with him also went the possibility of a relationship with some of his kids from a marriage that, you know, was sort of separate <laughs> from the circumstances in which I was brought in. And uh, being able to reconnect with some of them has been something I'm really grateful for. I'm also really grateful for, you know, I'm, I'm about to enter the sixth year of my relationship with my partner. And, um, you know, when you're with somebody, especially in gay years, I feel like it's a lot longer. <laughs> when you're with somebody for <laughs> for that period of time and you sort of 
you get through the honeymoon stage and you find yourself into some harder places, but then you find your way back into honeymoon stages and you realize, oh, this is a person that I can kind of go through life cycles with. Um, that's something I'm really grateful to, to realize. And I'm also really grateful that my television show is entering its fourth and final season because it, it feels good to know when you're ending. And it also feels good, especially because I'm super hands-on with everything that I do. It feels good to complete a chapter and to sense that, you know, in my life at least, there's a new chapter on the horizon. That, that feels, that's something I'm very grateful for. I remember we talked about your sort of ambition early on and, and the plans you had to get to the places that you wanted to get to. And now I'm thinking about, you know, the decade ending, some new chapter beginning, and another one closing. Did you think you were going to get to this place in your life? I did. I thought I would be much further along than I am, actually, <laughs> uh, at this stage. <laughs> and um, I'm also just grateful to realize how little that would actually matter, you know, to my inner life. Uh, I don't know that I would be happier if I was more successful. Um, I don't think my life would be better if I had won an Emmy or even been nominated for one, uh, or if I had already made my second film. Uh, I did, in fact, make my second film this year, which is really exciting, and it premieres next year. But, uh, yeah, I think I assumed naively, you know, that I would be a bit farther along, <laughs> but... I, I I am acutely aware that 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 the success that I thought I would have at this point when I was younger, I'm acutely aware of how little joy that would have actually brought me. And so, being able to at 36 years old have that realization that you know my work is something that I do, but what I am and who I am is, is something much more complex and. Uh, has, a, has a different set of requirements and sort of success in capitalist terms. I'm really grateful to have that revelation because I think folks my age in this industry, outside of this industry, that's not a revelation that, that they have yet or that life has sort of brought to them just yet. And um, I think it's really vital to my happiness and to my my sense of well-being to know that it actually has nothing really to do with with my quote-unquote success, which is another way of saying how, other, how I am valued, for, you know, what my market value is, which is yet another way of saying how other people see me. And so I'm really grateful to be very visibly aware of that. <laughs> how did you become aware of that? What led you to that revelation? I think being disappointed throughout my time in this, in this industry, um, being disappointed by the fact that, you know, uh, I don't know that people, I don't think people totally give me and the to my show the flowers that uh, I think sometimes we deserve, frankly. Um, but that's okay, because I really like making this show. And I know that it's, it's the making of it that makes me happy, the sort of response that it gets or doesn't get or whatever is kind of a fleeting look. But the actual experience of 
getting to turn these really complicated ideas into a pop culture show. That experience is, is really, really deeply profoundly yeah. rewarding. And you know, I think if we had been lauded more loudly, uh, or if we had had a really robust four-year consideration campaign, or if we had, you know, topped a bunch of lists or all that kind of thing, uh, if we had had those things, I, I, I think I would probably maybe have experienced the high of that. But it really is just that. It's a high. It is, it is bleeding. And, uh, you know, for some people it can be fatal. You know, you can get stuck in that chase for the high and really forget that our job as artists is to, like, you know, make the art. Like, it is in the making that we find our joy. And, um, yeah, that's what I would say. Um, two things before we go. If we're going to go with the chapter ending, chapter opening analogy, in 2020 and the decade ahead, what do you want for yourself? Honestly, I want to know myself even more, and I want to bring all of the things that are resting in my unconscious, waiting to be discovered, waiting to be seen, waiting to be materialized, I just want to be able to continue that process of bringing them out and making these little cultural monuments, whether it's a TV show or a movie or a book or a podcast. Um, I just want to be able to do that and and enjoy that process more and find a flow in that process that doesn't feel so rat racy. <laughs> that I think um, would make me happiest. It's to sort of find a balance and a peaceful just sort of understanding what that process is and what it feels like. The more you get to do it, I think the more you, you can be in touch with it uh, and, and in touch with the joy in it because it can, it so easily turns into something other than joy, you know? And I think what we do is so ridiculous. I mean, we literally, I literally make believe for a living. Um, that process should be, it can't be all joyful, but it should mostly be joyful. And, uh, I want to be able to do that, find joy in it, to do it on a bigger and bigger scale. I think that's all I really want. Do you ever have those mornings where you're in the shower and you're just dreading the day ahead? And then some time passes and you're like, wait a minute, why am I in such a bad mood? I'm like getting to make movies or a podcast or write and spend time with people I think are smart and interesting. Why have I worked myself into a bad mood? And every once in a while, I can catch myself and reorient and redirect. I have that feeling all of the time. <laughs> I have that thought all of the time. I think it's partly, you know, you don't really get to be a quote-unquote successful person who is also gay and black and from the South and, and all this stuff. You don't get to sort of be an artist in this world without a degree of pessimism, you know, it's sort of, it's a survival instinct, you know, it's almost evolutionary. Like, I don't think the happy caveman, you know, escapes the saber-toothed tiger at the same rate, at the same rate as the pessimistic caveman that saw danger at every turn. So those genes are in us, those uh, sort of cultural warnings are in us. I don't think I would have achieved as much if, you know, I, I sort of always saw the silver lining, but, it is good to, it is, it is not only good to remind myself how lucky I am, but it is actually essential for me. 
a gratitude practice is absolutely essential so that I can know when to stop running so that I can know when my wars are, are already won and my battles already fought. It, it is it is absolutely critical for me to do that very often, actually. Well, what does the holidays look like for you and your family? <laughs> my holidays have actually been kind of varied since I, I uh, met my partner and we sort of spend uh, our Christmases in different spaces with different parts of our families. And this year we were going to Las Vegas because both of our mothers really like gambling. <laughs> and so oh my God. I'm having a Christmas that I've never had before. And that's kind of been the norm, uh, oddly enough, for the past four, four or five years. Uh, uh, I don't know. Let's try this. Let's try hosting Christmas here where we live. Let's try going to Atlanta to visit your family. Let's try going to Houston to visit mine this year, Vegas. <laughs> so uh, I'll have to report back. Please report back. And my advice is do not play blackjack. <laughs> I'm a craftsman, if you can believe it. Really? I've never, I've never, I can't figure that game out. You know, that's exactly how they, they like it because it's, it's a game with the best odds. Uh, but if you can get over your intimidation, the odds of at a craft table are much better for you than, say, the slot machine where the odds are terrible. You actually like can play in a way to keep your money or, or make more money uh, and keep your losses. So I don't know. I, I enjoy. It. I always have to like Google like a quick reminder of how to start playing. Once I get into it, I sort of, you know, you sort of your instincts start to come back in. But uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend crap. Okay. Well, look, I'm I'm glad we got that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> and congratulations on the movie at Sundance. I look forward to seeing it. Yes, me too. I, I look very forward to you and everybody seeing it. It's a labor of love, and uh, as everything that I do is. But it's um, it's really a different side of me that I've known has been here, but I don't think I've been able to really show. And so uh, I'm super grateful for the chance to show a very different side of myself as a storyteller and to tell a different story. I'm sure people are excited to watch, and thank you for doing it, and thank you for coming on the show this year. It was. It was good that we met, and I was happy to have you on. Same. Very much the same. I feel the same way. It was a great conversation, and uh, yeah, one of my favorite interviews. So thank you for having me. Of course. I'll see you in Park City. All right. Sounds good. So long, Justin. Bye-bye. This next voicemail is from Minhal Baig. She is a director of the new film Hala. She's a good pal of mine, and when I received her Uh, voice memo, I realized she did not say her name on the voice memo. And when I asked, you know, could you record your own name, she declined uh, mainly because uh, she just got her wisdom teeth removed. So this is a long way of introducing uh, my friend Minhal Baig. Also, go see Hala. Okay, here she is. There's a lot of things I'm grateful for this year. And it's interesting because some of the learning experiences that you need in your life are not the ones that you want to experience. Um, I think it's been a lovely year of sharing a film with other people, taking it to festivals and really enjoying taking a story that started out in my bedroom with people 
all over the world. And that's a really special thing. I think the thing that I feel most grateful for are the difficult experiences too, because I think if it was all, you know, just all beautiful and rainbows and sunshine, I think that I wouldn't be able to appreciate and really cherish these moments. Which is not to say that suffering should be glamorized or anything. I just think, you know, the challenges that come along with sharing a story that's so personal with other people, that's part of the process. And I also think this year has taught me to keep the people who I love really close and that I don't need a lot of people, but I need people who I trust and who are invested in me and who I am invested in and keep them with me as difficult things happen because I've also realized that I can't do everything on my own. And I'm grateful for therapy and my friends, the chosen family that I've created around around me. And I'm grateful for all of the professional experiences I've had this year too. I'm, I'm excited for 2020 because I feel in a way that I've leveled up. Like I've really grown to take on the difficult experiences and and be ready for them. There, it's the kind of thing where a couple years ago I thought I was ready to do everything, and then I realized I wasn't. And now I feel like I'm getting closer to having, you know, the kinds of experiences that I need to have in order to get closer to the person that I want to be. Yeah, I think that that sounds really abstract, but I'm grateful to the difficult experiences as much as I am for the beautiful and wonderful ones, because sometimes that's what you need to grow. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's been a wonderful year with other artists and, you know, forming my own community and feeling supported through my own artistic journey. And I'm grateful to everybody who's who's been helpful and supportive along the way. Hi, this is Rock Peters, Private Dick. I'm not working on a case right now, but if you leave me a clue or two, I promise I'll find you. Well... In case you were ever curious about what Ron Perlman's voicemail sounded like, there you go. That's my Christmas gift to you. Um, and that's Ron's Christmas gift to you. I'm going to try calling him back again because we're texting, we're coordinating. The call's not going through, but that is that is a kind of gem I'm going to savor. Uh, wow. Is that a film reference? Did I miss the... Is it an inside joke thing? Am I missing something? Is he just pretending to be a detective, a private eye? I'm. If someone could please write in and explain what the hell is happening in that voicemail, I would love to know. Um, okay, let's try going Ron again. Hello? Hi. You know what? I think this is going to work. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, thank you for bearing with me on that. I'm quite a bearer. I uh, know you are. Um, so why don't we just get right into it? Uh, what is something you are grateful for in 2019? I mean, I, for one, am uniquely grateful for being um, amidst a lifetime that has gone beyond all of my dreams on every level. And I'm a pretty big dreamer. So for me to make a statement like that, I couldn't even have articulated if I wrote a letter to God. And that includes my beautiful family who are relatively healthy and uh, intermittently happy in the big scheme of things. A lot to be grateful for. My network of support in terms of friends and family are as top draw as it gets and the amount of support that one needs when one lives like rather a life that, you know, is riddled with uncertainty like an actor's life is. That's a pretty big statement. <laughs> and then my career, which I'm, you know, admittedly more um, caught up in than maybe is sometimes healthy is at a zenith right now and, and is showing no signs of, of backing off. Ending 2019 with um, an assortment of projects that are really, really cool and, and uh, titillating. And beginning 2020 with two more collaborations with my oldest and dearest friend in the business, Guillermo del Toro, uh, one of which is a mind-blowingly provocative take on Pinocchio. Mm. And the other is um, reobservance of one of my favorite all-time noir films, Nightmare Alley. I'm participating in both of them and getting to watch my friend in our third decade together continue to astound, evolve, and reflect another life very well lived. So, profoundly grateful. Did you see The Irishman by chance? I did. What did you think of that? I thought it was, um, for a movie that was close to being three hours, I was never bored. I never lost interest. I never looked away. I bring it up because you, you were talking about entering your third decade of making stuff with your friends. And the thing that struck me about The Irishman is you're watching it and you're like, holy shit. They have been making stuff together for 40 plus years. And to watch them do it, it's, it, I don't know, it's like, it almost feels like a family reunion. And I love the idea of you doing that in your own work. And I'm, I'm certainly trying to do that and build the relationships to make stuff with people down the line 30, 40 years from now. There's something, I don't know, very, there's something very poetic about that. Well, my favorite. Um, instances in cinematic history and my favorite people who participated in it and led the way uh, all believed in, in kind of a forming of a repertory company. Right. John Ford used the same people over and over again. Preston Sturgis, Frank Capra, modern day uh, Scorsese, Coppola. The people who are real groundbreakers believe that once they found their gold, that the richness from that well was infinite 
and um, would continue to shine brightly if, if it was just shined upon at all. And um, I'm a sucker for that. I'm a sucker for John Ford's troop of actors, leading actors, character actors, camera people, crew people. And to participate as I have with a number of filmmakers, I've done now five, six, six projects with Jean-Jacques Anel. I'm on my sixth or seventh with Guillermo. And it's the way it's supposed to be. You know, we're supposed to be having fun, to have each other's backs. We're supposed to be an extended family that loves and stands by each other's sides in the way families do. And so when you have people who create an environment that supports those presets. Uh, the idea of these surrogate families is, uh, I think that's why people want to make movies. I mean, it's why I want to make movies. I have two things before we have to go. How do you spend the holidays? Well, when, when I had little kids, and I, I don't have little kids anymore. I have adults. So everybody's off doing their own thing. But when I had little kids, I really got a charge out of um, the whole process of buying the tree, decorating the tree, putting stuff under the tree, watching their faces as they ripped apart, you know, the things that were standing between them and their toys and putting a smile on everybody's face in that regard. I love the, the cooking of these holidays, the, you know, the big dinners, the, the, the excuse for everybody having to be together. <laughs> That's dissipated over the years as my kids have grown older and um, things have evolved. So holidays no longer have the same impact on my personal life as they used to. Mm. And um, I don't know what I'm doing this year. I'm just uh, in transition and uh, waiting to see what uh, the good Lord puts on my table. Are you religious? Uh, no. I am I am not religious, but I, when I believe in something, I believe in it wholeheartedly. I'm from a Jewish family, but my dad always celebrated Christmas morning as if we were Christians. <laughs> and I've kind of picked that up. I was the one Jew in my family, my own family, my wife and kids. But I went out and got the tree, and I went out and got the lights, and I went out and got the decorations, and and I... I loved doing that because it was an extension of me providing some sort of joy and tradition, the passing down of tradition from generation to generation. So even though it's not a kind of a, a spirit that reflects what it was initially intended for, it's something that I have borrowed and, and made my own. What do you believe 2020 will look like? Talking about belief. What do you think it will look like for you and for the country? Well, we're running on two separate tracks, me and the country. So for me, it's, it's already starting out mind-blowingly because I'm about to go this, do, do Nightmare Alley with Guillermo and Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett and Willem Dafoe, and David Strathairn and Richard Jenkins and Rudy Mara. And that's how my year is starting. I mean, I'm, I'm on Mount Olymp. I worry for the country because there are really dark forces that are colliding with each other in a way that could end up being even more ugly than, than they are now, which if that's even conceivable. And uh, there's an inevitability to it because what this guy has succeeded in doing 
in terms of um, exploiting polarity and exploiting negativity and exploiting fear of the other and having neighbor hate neighbor, even within families and over Thanksgiving dinner, violent discussions. If you were going to go to hell, that would be the number one way to get there, as far as I'm concerned, is to knowingly exploit the, the darkest angels that can reside in, in the human condition. And he's done it, and he's co-opted an entire party that's happy to be Santa's little helpers in that. So the degrading of our quality of life is palpable. Mm. And people have already been maimed physically. There are signs of genocidal tendencies by caging children at the border that America has traditionally stood up to and gone to war for. And here we are engendering it here. And if that sounds dark, it's because it is. But something's got to give, and it scares me what might happen in 2020. If we spoke this time next year, who do you think is our president? Well, if it was up to me, it'd be Pete Buttigieg. Mm -hmm. But um, it's not up to me. And it, it also scares me how tenuous um, all of the forces that, you know, go into the electing of the most important figure in the country have been successfully compromised and probably will be again. And none of us have any fucking control over it. And um, the cabal of people that are enabling it, and not only enabling it, but encouraging it, is what sickens me and what saddens me the most. And the reason why I say Pete Buttigieg is he's the only one up there that kind of has a spark of aspirationalism to him. He's very good at articulating the beautiful things that make life worth living that we fold into our everyday lives that make us better Americans. Mm -hmm. And so I wish there were more people in the field like him that weren't just talking about healthcare and nuts and bolts and boilerplate issues, but talking about a vision of, uh, of the way we treat each other and ourselves that, are, that make America a more perfect union. And he's the only one left standing that does that. I like, I like Cory Booker a lot, but the world doesn't seem to be supporting that vision. I liked Kamala, but she's got out way earlier than I thought she would. Mm -hmm. I don't have a great deal of confidence in the fact that we will have a President Buttigieg, but at this point, he's my guy. This next year is going to be uh, exhausting. I'm already exhausted just thinking about it. Yeah. But I want to be hopeful. I want to try to be hopeful. You know, the other thing I'm grateful for, Sam, is having met you and, and knowing that there are people here who are still discussing beautiful things that enhance the quality of our lives and that enrich us because they're cultural in nature. And um, God bless you, Sam, and I hope you uh, continue to do the beautiful things you do. You've attracted some of my favorite, favorite people in the business, and, and that's because you do it well. So um, I'm grateful for that, too. Uh, that is very, very kind of you.
and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. I, it was so good meeting you this year, Ron, truly. Yeah, it was a highlight for me as well, and um, hopefully there'll be a, a second act. Yeah, I'll see you in the new year. Okay, beautiful. All right, best of luck to you. So long. Happy holidays. You too. Bye-bye. Hey guys, Michael Kelly here. So it's funny, I got this email and I was thinking back, you know, of all the things 2019 that made me grateful or what I'm grateful for. And oddly enough, the first thing that came to my mind was was a loss. I lost one of my dear friends this year, Gary J, who was the A camera operator on House of Cards and the forever constant on that show. And the reason I thought of that was because I guess I'm just truly grateful for everything that I had uh, in my friendship with Gary and the time that I did get to spend with him for those six months of every year for the last seven years. So gratitude, I guess, works in a funny way sometimes. I'm grateful for the time I had and I'm super sad for his loss, but I can look back on the great times we had. All right. I hope that answers your question and doesn't get anybody too down. All right, I'll talk to you. Bye. And that's our show. I want to give a thanks to all those who helped make today's episode possible. Randall Park, Mary Holland, Harrison Cameron, Gary Goleman, Jeff Garlin, Chaz Ebert, Pam Greer, Tyresha Poe, Justin Simeon, Menhal Beg, Ron Perlman, and Michael Kelly. On the subject of gratitude, I looked at people. Harrison Cameron, Larry Cedar, Noelle Wells, Janixa Bravo, Justin Moore, Tate McCurdy, Jody Stillwater, Jack Anderson, Trevor Cameron, Sean Baker, Mikey Rouser, Miguel Arteta, Heidi Shaman, Alyssa Greenberg, Josh Nathan, Neil Fox, Joe Talbot, Marika Litz, Chad Saechow, David Cameron, Clea Benson, and Annie Monroe. There are many people missing from that list. It is not comprehensive. But uh, when it comes to the podcast, when it comes to making movies and music videos, it takes a village each and every time. So uh, I just want to thank those people. I also want to thank the people that make this podcast possible each and every week. Krishna Shenoy, Ghani Zur, Ian Chang, Ian Jones, Dylan Peck, Neil Inez, Andre Lin, um, there are many more. Nikki Spina, who does our social media. She is the smartest 19-year-old I know. She's also basically the only 19-year-old I know. Nevertheless, uh, we could not do this show without her. There's our engineer, Tim Moore, who very graciously opened his doors at York Recording to us uh, this year. And it's because of his contribution that I think this show has improved over the past 12 months. And then, of course, I have to thank Caroline Reebok. She is the producer of this show, and without her, I don't know where Talk Easy would be, but I am so glad I don't have to find out. She is truly the lifeline of this show and uh, makes it the thing that it is each and every week. Finally, I want to thank you at home, on the road, at your parents' place, in a foreign country, wherever the hell you are. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. This is an independently operated podcast. 
and it is a listener-supported podcast. And without you, there really is no show. So to everyone that wrote in, to everyone that shared it with a friend, to everyone that shared it online or left a review on iTunes, and everyone who keeps coming back to the show because uh, they believe in the kind of conversation that we are having and they believe that what we do matters, uh, thank you. Really. 2020 is going to be a painful, difficult year. And I think now more than ever, it's important to have emotionally honest dialogues with each other. And uh, I hope I have the distinct honor of doing this show in 2020. And I hope that you come back because it's only going to get better. So happy holidays to you and your family. Please be safe. Travel safely. Get home safely. Uh, wherever you are, it means the world that you are here in this moment listening to this show. Um, I love you all very much. I'll see you next year.
that way I'll find you in the morning sun and when the night is new I'll be looking at the moon but I'll be The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home.